Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right everyone, it's another new week and it's another new gig pod. It's episode 149 of the Glasgow's Green podcast and we'll be covering the St Mirren win last week, the Morton win at the weekend, the cup draw, Josip Juranovic to partner club and the impending arrival of O in the next 20 minutes or so and who better than to do all that with myself Stevie than Rizzo. John. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Stevie. Hello to all listeners as usual. Yep, a lot to talk about this week as ever with Celtic, so we better go on with it. Let's go, as uh, a great man once said. Let's not elaborate on who that great man was, but it definitely was not me. Right, John, we can't ignore the excellent performance, which kept his nine points clear in Rangers in this title race. Celtic 4, St Mirren 0. It was a game that a hardcore fan like myself was at, but you weren't. What did you think of Celtic's performance? And keep this under a minute or so. Yes, uh, well done to you being a Celtic hardcore. You know, I thought it was a great performance. By the way, Davos just scored against Aberdeen. They've been the one uh, I thought it was a great performance, especially when you can tell that we made so many changes. We didn't have CCV. I thought Kobayashi was indeed a usual suspect. Him and uh, Starfield played well. But I thought the main man was Kyogo. He's really made us eat our words when we were critical of him earlier this season. He scored two goals. The first one especially was fantastic. Brilliant pass by Rio Hitati and a beautiful finish. And we even got a goal given thanks to VAR in the second half when Kogo scored again. No, I thought it was a great performance. One of our best of the season, especially when you consider that St. Mon, of course, had beat us. And we had so many changes, but it just shows how strong the team is. And well done to the players for the win. We're still nine points ahead. That's what we want as we 
going to three league games in a row starting next week. We're going to talk very quickly about Yuki Kobayashi and his debut performance. I thought he was excellent on his first game for Celtic against St Mirren. When you think about it, there's a lot of Japanese players that have signed for his over the years, not even last season, but like Nakamura. Remember his debut against Dundee United? It was unbelievable. We won 2-0 thanks to uh, a volley, a great volley from Craig. Great guy, beat you, of course. But then you look at Daisa Maeda on his debut for Celtic. Scored uh, Rio Hitati was man in the match, so yeah, it's a bit yeah, it's a good track record we've got with Japanese players when they join and the impact that they make in the first game. But I felt Kobayashi was just really comfortable in the ball, so composed. I did a tweet about it, um, and uh, alongside like Kyogo and Hitati, I think Kobayashi was a real standout, really encouraging, and he did well at the weekend too, which we'll come on to. But what were your thoughts on his uh, first game for Celtic, John? I thought it was excellent, and I think a big advantage that we might not really have with O, who we'll talk about later, is that he's been at Celtic since December, Kobayashi. I mean, he, he knows all the players. He knows the way that Andrew wants to play. He's been training with for weeks. Obviously, it's different playing in a game than training, but he handled the situation well. It might not have been easy for him, but he looks to be a decent player. And okay, Morton didn't even really provide that many challenges, but having Starfield looked good, then obviously I want CCV back in the team because he is our main defender and I think he's the best player in Scotland now. But at the moment, Kobayashi looks to be a decent replacement. Him and Starfield look good together. And I mean, as you say, we'll have good debuts for a lot of Japanese players and that was really one of them. It was just a pity that no, a lot of people saw because it was on TV. And only the, the hardcore diehards like yourself saw him that were at the game. But no, he, he looks to be a good player for us. I mean, I've been impressed with him so far. As much as I am a hardcore diehard, certainly on GigPod anyway, it was all. I wasn't there on Saturday. I had my daughter and her pals over to the house, so I had to watch the game on TV. And to be fair to them, they all just did their stuff in the kitchen and in the, the bedroom and all that. And I got to watch the full 90 minutes uninterrupted. So thanks to them for that. But no, I wasn't there on Saturday, John, just like yourself. Um, but I've got to say, the crowd was actually pretty impressive. It looked like 40-odd uh, thousand there. You know, for the first 10, 15 minutes, I felt Morton were in it. It was a lot like, you know, us at the Bernabeu, wasn't it? Like, you go there and it's already a mammoth task, right? We're not expecting a result or anything against Real Madrid away. It's pretty much just there for a day out for fans, isn't it? Same with Morton coming to Celtic Park. Although, as I say, first 10, 15 minutes, they made a game of it. Then the game's kind of turned in its head, uh, just around the 20-minute mark. Adam Moyes scores a penalty, but it was like, again, I really, uh, I hate going on about VAR now, but we can't ignore it either. It was like five minutes or something to award a penalty that never was. And this is mad because when I looked online, usually there's like a split opinion or never do I see the Celtic support unified when it comes to getting a, a decision. But every Celtic fan that I saw on Twitter on Kerrydale Street um, and various other forums that I'm on, everyone was were just incensed at that decision. Um, F.A. Ambrose was penalised for a ridiculous handball Kevin uh, Tom Clancy, <laughs> great, great offer. Um, he eventually gave the decision, and you know I'm just watching it on TV, and I think a lot of Celtic fans either at the game were a wee bit confused by it because you couldn't tell. But certainly watching it on TV, John, utterly, utterly stupid decision. I'm just going to say it. You did feel for Morton because they were in it at that time, and all right, I don't think they were going to ever be getting a win. Celtic would have found a way to sort of do them eventually with or without a penalty. But it just killed it as a contest right there and then, didn't it? And again, it was just another team getting done over 
by VAR, which just seems to, on a weekly basis now, it's given us like talking points, but it's negative. I mean, they're not even getting the decisions right when they go to the, the screen or that. That was a decision right there that Clancy could have, you know, made, not given the penalty. And all right, you might have been up in arms about it and going, oh, here we go again. But it would have been the right decision. Instead, somehow, he's decided to give that penalty and Morton are 1 0 down. And from there, you knew Celtic were just going to go and strangle them from that. No, it was a bad decision, especially when you look at some of the penalties that we have got that have been penalties against Hearts and against Rangers, for example. And I mean, some of the ones we've conceded as well. So, so, I mean, it was a poor decision. The worst thing about it was how long it took them. The guy watching the VAR talking to Kevin Clancy before Clancy went over to watch the the footage. Could they know of like took a lot shorter time doing that. That's a, that's a big problem. We've, I know we talk about it all the time, but that really is an issue. We, I mean, apart from when we don't get penalties at Timecastle, it only takes them, I think, about a second to watch, or they, they somehow manage to miss handballs at Connor Goldson does. But it was a poor decision. I mean, no Celtic player really claimed for anything or anything. Like, it was just another poor decision. I can understand Morton being pissed off about it. I was going to say we'd be pissed off, but we've had some right dodgy VAR decisions go against us as well. But that doesn't make it all right. I mean, I know we always say for a laugh that it evens itself up, but it was a bad decision. And it did sort of ruin the game. I mean, we still had to do our job and we were phoning up at halftime, which is what we had to do. But it is just a pity. We're always talking about VAR seemingly every week on this. And we're probably talking about it again next week. I imagine we've got three games starting next week, so I'm sure... That VAR will have a say against Aldridge United, Levy or St Johnson, and we'll no doubt spend about an, another chunk of a good quality episode talking about that. So, well done to the, the people that introduced VAR to the game. You've done a great job in making a game that was relatively simple, football relatively difficult. So, well done to all involved in introducing VAR. Let's talk about Adam Moy. He made it 1 0, and Kyogo scored a double, as well as a David Tumble strike in between them. And the game was effectively over as a contest at half time. Adam Moy made it 5 0, maybe five minutes to go. John, what a signing he's been. And again, I don't want to come on here gloating, giving it the big told you so and all that. But I did say that game against Norwich, I remember doing a 67 Hail Hail with Hamish after it. There was a lot of groaning and grumbling um, because like, Adam Moy was clearly not fit during that match and he got like 10, 15 minutes of a run out. A lot of people around about me were just like mortified every time we get the ball and commenting on how slow he was trying to chase one of the Norwich players. I think it was a sub actually as well that like just got on the park. I remember saying after it on the channel that, you know, Adam Moy's going to be fine for us. Give him a couple of months to get up to speed. When it comes to the winter months, he's going to be excelling. I think you were the same as well, John. Like we weren't initially bowled over with Adam Moy but at the same time me and you were basically saying you've got to give this guy a chance because he has played at the top level and he's an Australian international too and I know it's only Morton but he was just streets ahead of everyone else on that pitch wasn't he such a joy to watch he makes the difficult things look very easy and there might be a bad spell to come with Adam Moy and he's not going to be able to keep it up all season but I'd say that's ever since that 6-1 game against Hibs in October that he's been consistently one of our best performers. I'm really happy for him and I know that you want to have a few uh, words of praise for him as well, John. First of all, obviously, I'll praise yourself for making, going on about how he'd be a good signing for us, which he has been. I mean, so well done to you for that. You are a hero, of course. Um, he had a bit of a, a slow start, but I mean, recently he's just been fantastic. I mean, 
I mind when he was playing further forward when McGregor got injured, a lot of people thought, well, that's not going to work. But it did work. I mean, I think a lot of people were annoyed because he played in that St. Mirren game that we lost and were terrible, but that's maybe his only bad performance. Or does not nobody played well that day? He's been excellent ever since, and he's really come into his own since the World Cup. He was brought in the World Cup for Australia, and he's took their performances into Celtic. I mean, he scored four goals now for the season, and he looks like a new penalty kick taker as well. He's got five assists. And I think the only mistake that Andrews made recently was no starting him against Rangers. And if you look back to that game, he came on and played a big part in Hugo's equaliser. And if I was picking my strongest Celtic team, he'd definitely be in it. And we've got all these games coming up in the next couple of weeks that will determine the season. One of the names is the League Cup final. And Aaron Moy should 100% be starting that game. And I think he could be a big difference maker for us for the rest of the season. And it's just a pity that he's 32. I mean... Okay, it might not be his like headline grabbing his Lubo, who we all lamented when we signed him when he was in his mid thirties. But I mean, if Aaron Moy was five years younger, he could be a Celtic mainstay for years. I mean, we'll probably just have like another maybe one or two seasons of him. But he's already shown what a good player he is, and Ange was right as usual. He's got about ninety percent of his transfers right, and Aaron Moy was another one. And I think I definitely have him. My team was off on the sports for the rest of the season. I know Ange likes to change it up a bit, but. He's been so good recently, he has to be in the start, the starting lineup going forward. I agree. Although when it comes to that cup final team, let's talk about that nearer the time. The match against Dundee United on Sunday, definitely. Adam Moy has to be a starter, one of the first names on the team sheet. Right. I just mentioned the cup final because he's no starter a game against Rangers yet. Uh, he didn't start in the 4 nothing game, which was okay because he was just here, but he didn't start in the 2 each game either. And I think that Ange might want to rectify that mistake. That's all the reason I really mentioned the cup final, but it should be on the team, definitely, going forward. Every game as often as possible. Bizarrely, uh, the SFA did the Scottish Cup draw on social media. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't directly after the Hearts and Hibs game. No, it was on uh, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube pages. Nevertheless, um, we had visibility of it, thankfully. We did get a home draw against St Mirren. And John, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you remember the last time we had St Mirren in the Cup at home? And what was the score? Was it 2000 and... I know the score, I think. It was 4-1, and it was 2017. It was when we won the treble, the invincible treble, and we were losing 1-0 at half-time. It was 1-0 at half-time indeed, and I think Dembele smashed the bar. It could have made it 2-0, and, and then we went and scored like four goals in the last half hour or something. I think that was a game too, John, that uh, Brendan did his wonderful patronising act with Jack Ross, and he went up to Lewis Morgan after the game and told him how amazing he was after a 4-1 defeat. What a guy. He did. He said that, he said to Jack Ross that I think some of the best team we'd played that season or something. Great bit of pasteurising for good old Brendan, the king of the pasteurisers. But I, I remember that I, that game was actually on BBC Scotland, same as the Morton game was. And I remember watching it because I don't know why I didn't go to it. Probably uh, tiredness, quote unquote. But uh, I remember that uh, Musa did nearly score an OG, and that would have really put us in trouble. But I think we scored as you say, like four goals in half an hour. We'll only win the treble, and who knows, that could happen again this season. That St Mirren game is going to be played on the weekend of the 11th of February, in between league matches, away to St Johnston on the 5th, and at home to Aberdeen on the 18th. Relatively comfortable draw, isn't it? Again, not want to be disrespectful to St Mirren, we've just cuffed them 4-0, but it's a totally different game, isn't it? It's a cup tie, one-off match, but you've got to fancy Celtic to go through there at home, so... I'm going to predict it, we will. I'm fairly sure you feel the same as me, again, without seeming as if we're being dismissive of our opposition. Aye, if we just play our best, we'll win. 
that's what happened when we played St. Mirren the last time, and that's what happens when we play against every team in Scotland, I'd say. If we play our best, cut out the mistakes, we'll win. And I don't know, maybe there'll be a big crowd again if they keep the prices sensible that they did, I think, from the Morton game. There'll maybe be 40,000, 45,000 there, and that'd be good for the Scottish Cup. So let's hope the kickoff time's sensible and it's not something stupid like half five on a Saturday night or something daft like that, but it probably will be something daft. Or a Monday night even. So we'll just need to wait and see. When uh, uh, Via play that great channel, what time they decide to put us on live. Right, where do we start, John? Probably the departures are. Yesterday, Josip Juranovic left the club. He joined Union Berlin, and it was like the worst-kept secret in football. I mean, we were saying pretty much week in, week out, weren't we, since Christmas, really, or since we came back, he was going to be leaving. I felt the way it was going with him apparently joining Monza, and then all this talk about teams in the Premiership with so many clubs linked with him. I thought he was going to maybe go on deadline day, but no... Um, a week before the transfer deadline, slam shut, as they say. Janinovic joined uh, Union Berlin yesterday. I think he was at Celtic Park on Saturday to say his farewells to his teammates. And then he was away the day after it. He was officially presented by Union Berlin yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to go into their part on Twitter. It was a wee bit embarrassing, but you know, all the best to Janinovic. Getting him for £2.5 million, he was one of the... Crucial players that bedded into the team. He instilled a real winning mentality among that squad. Popular guy in the dressing room, but a quality player in the park as well. Wasn't amazing every week, but he got a 7 out of 10 performance uh, most of the time. And in that first season, from like January onwards, it was just remarkable, wasn't it? It was like from that Hearts game at Tynecastle, then of course that 3-0 game against Rangers different class as well. I'm not going to make it all about me, John, but it was a real inconvenience having to change my profile picture in social media. But I did it very low-key last night. So what were your memories of Juranovic? And by the way, before everyone's wondering why we're making this a very quick one, we're going to do a JJ pod in the week where we're going to talk about our top three moments and we're going to talk about his best performances and all that stuff. So, John... Some quick thoughts on JJ. I'll keep it quick because we're going to do the pod and you can even talk about how you met him on the pod, which sadly I never did. I thought JJ was a great player for us. As you say, he was so consistent. 7 out of 10 every week. It's just a pity that one of his last performances was that horror show Ibrooks, but we'll, we'll not really blame him for that. That was just unfortunate. He was a great player for us and I think he'll be missed. It's just a pity that he didn't really stay for that long no, even two seasons, so he's he's like never going to be classified as a Celtic legend or anything like that. But definitely a cult hero, and no doubt in like fifteen years or whatever, when like they have the anniversaries, the Angus first title as Celtic manager, and all the players at Parkhead, he'll no doubt get a big reception. And when they play Fireball, the the crowd will no doubt go wild. He uh, he'll be missed. He was a very good player, and it's once a sell, always a sell. I think he said on his Instagram post, which no doubt is true. And he might not be the last player we're talking about leaving this month. I think a couple others could leave. I mean, Gigi could leave as well. Scott Robertson left as well. He'd go to Fleetwood to join up with Scott Brown. Good luck to him there. So, there could be more departures as well, but JJ will be missed. I thought he was an excellent player for Celtic. And there might be some arrivals as well. So, let's talk about that now, Stevie. Okay, John, you've put him on the spot there. But yes, we've agreed a £2.5 million deal with Suwon Blue Wings to sign the striker Hyun Yu Oh. I don't know what kind of player he's going to be. Don't know if he's going to be like Gigi's direct replacement or just a foil to Kyogo. We'll just have to wait and see. He'll be well supported, I'm sure, and it looks like he's going to be announced at some point tomorrow or Wednesday. Hopefully, he does well. I hope he does. 
I mean, we might not see the best of him for a while because I don't think he's played football for over a month. And he's got a bit of a big job in his hands, you think about it, because he's going to be our second-choice striker, unless we decide to play Dyson as a striker sometimes, which we've talked about, we don't want Celtic to do. But no, good luck to him. If Anstings is good enough for Celtic, that's good enough for us. Wouldn't they shot me if we bought another striker as well? That's no me being like, watch this space, folks, and like get a, a clue who we're going to sign. It just wouldn't shot me if... Gigi did leave that we didn't bring an all striker in as well, just to sort of geese three strikers, which we might need. I mean, that's no a, a, a prediction, it's just a, a guess, really. But we'll just need to wait and see. But obviously, good luck to O if the signing is confirmed. Hope it does well. And I'm just not sure how often he'll play this season. We might not see the best of him until next season, same as like Rio Hadati, really. But if, I, if he's good enough for Ange, he's good enough for us, and good luck to him. Next up is Dundee United on Sunday. Now, of course, we have said to the audience that we're going to be doing a pod on JJ, which we'll be doing later on this week. So that'll be episode 150, can you believe? But episode 151 will be reviewing the Dundee United game and maybe more signings and more departures. It just depends, doesn't it? After the weekend. John, it's going to be on the 29th of January. A significant date. Can you think why? I can, and obviously this is just me remembering this because I'm a Celtic diehard. On the 29th of January last year, we played Dungeon United in a big game, a very big game, but we beat them 1-0. I was there, Leela Bada scored in, I think, the 91st minute when we'd been reduced to 10 men after their beating had been sent off. That win put us, I think, two points behind Rangers. We knew if we beat them a couple of days later, we'd go top of the league for the first time under Ange, and that's what happened. And that was one of Celtic's biggest wins of last season. A great last-minute winner. You kind of beat them. Great atmosphere. I hope it's a lot more comfortable this weekend. And if Celtic play at their best, it should be. But no, it's no... Dungeons United games have been weird this season. Like Because we beat them 9 nothing. Then we beat them 4-2 Celtic Park. We needed two goals and injury time to win it. So I'm not sure what kind of game it will be. But it's all about us. And if we are at our best, we should be good enough to get the win. And maintain that nine point lead at the top of the league and here's something that we do fine words to end the pod by John I'll let you do the outro thanks for listening everyone yep thank you Stevie and thanks everybody for listening you can get us on all the usual podcast places by now you know where we've been doing this for almost 150 episodes you can leave us good ratings reviews etc etc five stars tell us how great we are you can catch Stevie on Instagram and on Twitter at GigPod well he'll react to all the latest news that happens with Celtic which will no doubt be more news this week so thanks everybody for listening, we'll speak to you all soon we'll see you later this week with episode 150, the JJ special where we'll look back on some of his highlights of his Celtic career, thanks everybody for listening and hail hail Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.